Have you ever felt like the work you were supposed to love is instead sucking your soul and you aren't making the impact you always dreamed of making? If so, you aren't alone. From broke and underemployed to six figures plus, powered only by daydreams and grit, I realized I was burning out and my values of freedom, purpose, and making an impact were taking the backseat to my wallet. I realized that I needed to build my own field guide to awesome from the inside out. So I gave it all up and I traveled the world to rediscover what was most important to me and create a business that filled my pockets, filled my soul, and allowed me to multiply my impact. But the question is, how will I do it? Join me on my journey and find out as we build our community of experts and share the secrets of success from the inside out. My name is Trina Sarekia, and this is the Field Guide to Awesome. In my last episode, I spoke with John Paul Crimi. Originally from Boston in his early 20s, John Paul moved to Los Angeles and quickly became one of the most sought after celebrity trainers and sober coaches in the country. Unexpectedly, he found himself in a breathwork class and had a massive transformation that very first time. Knowing he had to share this technique, he not only began teaching, but developed his own unique style and quickly began selling out classes all over Los Angeles. John Paul has appeared on Good Morning America and has been featured in the Huffington Post and the Hollywood Reporter. You can find him on countless talk shows and podcasts, both domestically and internationally, as he continues his work to make breathwork more accessible and mainstream. John Paul and I spoke about addictions, relationships, and using breathwork to stop running your life based on fears and past trauma. If you missed it, make sure to go back and check it out. But don't go yet, folks. My next guest is Lauren Hughes. Lauren Hughes is a serial entrepreneur realtor and investor currently working on her fifth business, Hughes Capital, which started last year, and she's planning to grow it to be over 10 million within the next five to seven years. During this episode, we're talking about neurodivergence and thinking differently and how it leads to innovation and learning to use your inner imposter as a tool. Join me in welcoming Lauren Hughes. Hi, Lauren. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's such a pleasure to have you on. How are you? Wonderful. Thank you so much, Trina. I'm glad to be here. Lauren, would you share a little bit more about your journey from when you first started to your current level of success? Yes, absolutely. I started the entrepreneurial journey in 2013 after about 10 years in corporate America where climbing the corporate ladder can be fun for a lot of people. It just, something just wasn't right. And so it wasn't until 2013, uh, we get this crazy idea to let's start our own business and quit mm -hmm. the corporate W2 jobs. And let's jump on this crazy roller coaster. We honestly had no idea we were getting on, but we knew it would be new challenges, but that's officially when it started in 2013 with the founding of LD studios, which is a software company. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. What kind of software was it? Yeah, so we do lots of fun stuff on the backside that people never actually see. We make the websites work and we make payments go through. So we do the nerdy backend calculators and make sure that all the back stuff goes right. And I always like say- Like no automations? 
automations and like auto payments or payment mm. calculators. So no one really knows we exist until it breaks. <laughs> <laughs> so we are behind the scenes, the little elves behind the scenes, making sure everything goes smooth. And so what was that journey like when you first started? Absolutely. I think the biggest thing or the, some of the biggest shocks at the very beginning, because now I'm on my fifth business, which every time you do it, it gets a little bit easier. The first time is always, it's usually the scariest. And Mm. I think what happened in 2013, it's, you don't know what you don't know. And I really had no clue what I was doing. If I'm going to be completely honest, it's just this drive that knows, Hey, I know I can do this. I know I can do it. Well, it it took a lot more inner strength than I think I was expecting because when you leave or when you're in like a corporate America, you have structures, you have teammates, you have uh, a stability versus when you start this entrepreneurial journey you make your own rules up of, you know, they can be good rules. They can be bad rules, but at the end of the day, they directly impact your life. Your life balance gets, can be a mess. And then it also affects your bank account too. So every decision you make, there's real life consequences, good or bad, which I think that was the biggest thing I had to learn that my decisions impact my life a lot more than they did prior to starting your own business. Yeah. And so you are a serial entrepreneur. So that you're telling us about your first business. So five total businesses, LD studios was the first, which was the software company. And then we started to differentiate. I'd always loved real estate. I'd always liked real estate and wanted to expand into that area. So three of the businesses were different real estate ventures um, in different states. And actually the craziest one, which I think crazy is a good thing being an entrepreneur, because we have to be different. And so if we just follow the mold, it just, it's not as interesting. Yeah. Uh, So one of the craziest one I would say would be, I had a investment company and property management company in Roatan, Honduras. Wow. uh, Which was a wild ride. It's just, you know what the, the software business was located in Atlanta, Georgia. And then a few years later, I decided that, Hey, let's throw caution to the wind and start this investment or real estate in Roatan, Honduras. So it was a completely new set of rules and expectations. And it was a whole nother journey that was even more wild than the software. It made the software industry seem tame. (laughs) And I've been in software that yet you were just lighting things on fire. Yeah. Apparently I can't just need more excitement or something. So it definitely keeps me on my toes and it, it keeps things interesting. I will say that very much. So Lauren, you've done so much and you've had so much success. Let me ask you a hard question. All right, How like did them. you like them? Yeah. <laughs> Love the hard ones. Let's go deep here. So how did imposter syndrome show up for you early on? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's something that 
Because you didn't come out of the womb knowing how to do this business. And you said, I didn't know what I was doing when I first started. And sometimes I know that when I've had my first businesses, I didn't know enough to be afraid. I didn't know enough. I didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And that's, you don't know what you don't know. And I didn't know to be afraid, (laughs) but I would say the biggest thing with imposter syndrome, it's something, well, I feel like I deal with it a little bit more than I used to just because I know more now. Yes. Because when you're naive, not naive in a negative way, just say, you just don't know all these expectations. But now I'm like, oh, well, I have all this background. Like I'm on my fifth business. Like I'm supposed to be like, oh, geez, what have I become? Am I that person? Is this real? And so you have to deal with it. And it, I still deal with it today. And if we're going to just jump into let's be real deep. I would start back when I was about five. And I think this has given me a power source that I never knew. Well, it took me a long time to realize that it was a power source. Mm -hmm. And when I was five growing up in public school, and this was back in like the late eighties, nineties. So it was different then, but I didn't read well. And so I was put in special classes and told I was dyslexic and that I would never succeed in life basically. Or they're Mm -hmm. like, you're going to struggle. You're not going to do well in school. You're not going to do as well as your peers. So this almost created well a complex for a very long time until probably my mid twenties, where I just thought I wasn't good enough or I wasn't like, I'm not as good as everyone else. Cause that's what I was told from such a young age, which I think has helped me propel me to being an entrepreneur because my expectations for following the grid were always very low. And it wasn't Mm. until I realized that just because I think differently and I, well, thank goodness for spell check. It's been a game changer, but I think a little bit differently than others. And that gives me strength because I've always had to work harder than everyone else just to fit in, if you will. So when you join this entrepreneurial, like it's hard, but I was already used to having to work harder than my peers just to be average. I mean, it wasn't until you break the walls down, you realize that, oh my goodness, just because I'm different, like this is actually cool because I think differently. I go about things differently. And I think that's what's allowed me to have success in different avenues. It's just being different, but it also helped me. I had to embrace kind of what I saw for a very long time as a negative feature, which that goes back into the imposter syndrome because I've had that kind of that, the good that little voice. Yeah. That little voice. That's just not always kind, put it that way. And so even today, but now it took me a very long time to use that little voice as a positive, but I, and it kind of checks me in a good way now. Cause it's, you run into this, oh, I'm in unstoppable, which is wonderful. But I notice when I start to get into the, a little bit like the unstoppable zone, I start making mistakes a little bit because I'm running fast. And so mm. I can use that little voice to be like, how about you check yourself, make sure you're dotting your I's, crossing your T's. But it's, it's just, I think it's a mindset change with imposter syndrome, which I would say I have to think about every single day, but I don't consider it necessarily negative. It's just, it's good to know all facets of yourself and who you are, even if it might be perceived as negative, like me being dyslexic, 
that's perceived by as negative, but now I view it as positive because I'm different. Yeah. I love that. And I, yeah. you said so much in there, there's gold in them there where it's that you just <laughs> yeah. shared. So I want to dive into that because I, I think there are qualities that you have and the way that you processed the little trash fire that comes up. Oh, I there. think it's always going to be there. Right. First of all, like the trash fire voices were not in your head originally. Correct. When we're young, we have these amazing, amazing, we can do anything. We're sponges. We're, mm -hmm. we're curious. We want to try things. And early on, it's the voices from outside, the parents, the teachers mm -hmm. in the education system who say you will never be successful, or that's the impression you get by right you know, how they're trying to quote unquote, I'm using air quotes, people help you. <laughs> and so it sounds like, and you'll have to tell me how true this is for you, that early on, these voices were kind of prominent in your head. You, you internalize them. It's what we do as, oh, absolutely. as you young humans, we internalize them and th they become our reality, but along the way, and it sounds like it happened relatively early on for you where you started to learn to use your superpowers. You didn't know Absolutely. what you weren't able to do, what you weren't mm -hmm. supposed to be able to do in business. You were curious. What led you early on, if you can remember that far back, because you also have one of the qualities that I see in super successful people is they've learned to transform those voices mm -hmm. and use their originally perceived weaknesses as a superpower. Absolutely. Um, so it's a way to reframe in a true way and not just saying, oh, well, my weakness is my superpower and just repeating that to yourself until you believe it, you truly believe it. Yes. Um, and you have to truly believe yeah. it. And it's not thinking from such, such a long age for probably 20 good years, which is half my life. I thought I, I hit it and I didn't want anyone to know. Mm -hmm. And I pretend, and I just wanted to fit in and I just wanted to be normal. And it took a long time to realize, well, normal's okay, but being different is a lot more fun, but it yeah. took a lot, like a lot of like inner reflection for most of my life. It was, I saw it as a negative and not until you, you grow older and wiser you start expanding. And I don't think I really, because in corporate America, I hit all of that. And I would yeah. never admit it because I didn't want to be seen like I was when I was a child, but not until you become an entrepreneur where it really doesn't matter. And then you have other voices of other successful entrepreneurs. And I know uh, Richard Branson actually is dyslexic also. And he mm -hmm. would speak about it, which then in turn, I was like, wow, if he can do this, I can do this. And yeah. so you get to hear powerful voices and then slowly, it takes a long time to change something from childhood to being an adult, but you, and you said, it made a very powerful point that it's not just regurgitating it in the morning. It's you truly have to embrace it and believe in it, which took, took a very long time. And, and I'll be honest with you. I still get frustrated. I don't like writing handwritten notes and, and I, I type everything on a computer first to make sure it's like literate and then I'll handwrite it, but it's just, so I still don't like it, but 
I know that it helps me. So it's, we have to really accept it. And just because we're different or have the weakness or superpower, it, it makes us us. And we all don't have to be the same. The world's much better with differences and people that are unique. Unique, um, neurodivergent, thinking differently. None of that means that you're less smart, less able, Absolutely. less worthy. You just mm -hmm. think differently. Absolutely. You just think differently. And, and it's the, those that think differently that find new solutions for, mm -hmm. um, for the current problems. I mean, the, their problems because we haven't found solutions for them yet. Right. And so we need, we need to think about them differently. And I think that's one of the, one of the amazing things that when you work with someone who does think differently, they can right. bring to you. Absolutely. And it, it makes life more interesting, especially when Pete and what I like with being an entrepreneur versus, you know, corporate America, I think everyone has to kind of limit themselves to fit a mold or that was my experience yeah. uh, versus being an entrepreneur. It's cool to be weird and it's neat to be different. And you get to meet, I've met so many interesting people and people can, it's almost like we can be ourselves a little bit more because we have that freedom. We don't have that corporate structure that in order to get up the ladder, we have to do A, B, and C. It's a, B, and C are more like Z, Y, W. It's just kind of all over the place. And being an entrepreneur, we can be, I think, truer to ourselves, which is, uh, I think, one of the best or things that I love most about being an entrepreneur is we can all be ourselves. And it, that's awesome. We don't have to be anybody but ourselves, which is really a, a wonderful feeling. I agree entirely. So many people get into entrepreneurship because I get to be my own boss, right? Mm -hmm. And so if you reflect back to all of the bosses that you've had in the past, how are you going to be different? Or are you going to be a bad boss to yourself? And, and you can, you can reflect back to like, how have you led yourself in your entrepreneurial journey? And when were you a good boss? When, if you um, were to look at yourself as like a previous boss, right? was that person a good boss? How can you yeah. be a better boss? And what does being a boss and being a leader in your business mean to you? Right. What is the, the values, the vision that will keep you strong in your business? Um, whether you decide to have short-term businesses and sell them or mm -hmm. to go long-term with your business. Yeah, absolutely. And that was the, your wording made me chuckle because I feel like I have been the hardest boss I've ever had mm -hmm. because one, I know when I'm not telling the truth, I know, <laughs> I know if I'm like not do, there's just a full clarity. And so boss Lauren, it's very difficult. It's very high standards, I would say. And so that would, I, I have the highest standards of any boss that I've ever had which can be a good or a bad thing. What I've had to learn to is how to relax. And so that has been one of more of my struggles because I can now work 16 hours a day. I can do all of this to get all of this done. And then it kind of diminishes the work-life balance, if you will, yes. because I'm a very demanding boss. 
Yeah. <laughs> and when I have to work with others, I do have to realize I need to tone it down and calm it down. <laughs> um, especially when I have other people working with me and uh, technically under me, even though teamwork is, is the best versus being dictated to. And I try right. to never dictate, even though I, but you are the visionary it, I, of your business. Yeah. Right. And so I try to make it collaborative as a leader. I need to, the biggest thing is do what I say when I say I'm going to do it and then be a good example. And I can't expect someone to do something that I can't like that. I'm unwilling to do if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And so I think as a leader, I have to look a lot more internally than I think I realized at the beginning and know that I'm not, I'm not a perfect person. That's okay. But I need to make sure I, I do more self-evaluations when I have to be a leader versus only myself. It's like, well, it's only me, but as a leader, I need to make sure I'm fulfilling all the needs of the people that are working with me so we can all be at our best. And if I'm in a bad mood, I need to be able to like understand that or like I mm -hmm. need to see if there are triggers because I need to pull myself back because it's it's it would trickle down into the entire team and as a leader we have to be that positive force that is a driving force but also create positive environments are just so much healthier and more productive than the negative environments yeah um and so we yeah we have to be and so it much starts with you exactly it starts with the leader it starts with the the visionary of um, the company. Yes. And so that leads me to my next question is how have you done that inner work for yourself? How have you invested in your own environment development? Yeah, so I read a lot, which I used to shy away from, but audiobooks have been a game changer. Yeah. And so I listen and I like statistics and numbers a lot. And they say the average like high producing CEO reads 52 books a year. So that is usually my goal. And then plus a couple because I'm competitive. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> so I read about a book a week or I listen to a book a week. And while I'm listening to it, I'm either in the car or I walk. And if I, I notice if I'm getting frustrated, we all have good and bad moments, but as that leader, I, I take walks a decent a bit, like five minutes, 10 minutes where I listen to that book, just get that a little bit of physical activity and then can come back nice and composed and then a little less anxious or like the dog ripped up something in the house and it was my favorite blanket or something. So we just deal with it that way. But the books, I think the reading the books and reading books that are specific from other leaders, I think is very powerful. And I've like all the, I guess, high-end CEOs, they, they all have books. And yeah. I try to make sure I can read, I read all of those pretty consistently. Probably 20% of the books that I read are all about leaders and their journey. And I like to learn from others' journeys because the more we can absorb the fat, like the better we can be as ourselves. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think one of the things that I've learned from reading those types of books, autobiographies, is you learn about 
the top CEOs, the people who we all look up to, the celebrities mm-hmm. of CEO-dom experience the challenges, how they experience the things that we might be going through now. Of course, many of them have had different starts in life from where we mm-hmm. were, but we can still learn from their mindset, how they think about things, how they've experienced those. And it gives us another way to feel like we're not alone. Yeah. Because in entrepreneurship, it's a solitary journey. Even if you have a team, even if you're part of a community, it can be a very solitary journey because you are the visionary of your business. Right. Um, So how do you surround yourself or do you surround yourself with other entrepreneurs who are on similar journeys to you, to yours at the same, at approximately the level that you are now and above? Absolutely. And I think that was, I got, I was very lucky, I think, because when we started LD Studios back in 2013, we were kind of like, I don't know, lone wolves for about two years, but then we started getting serious about the business and a peer suggested that we join something called entrepreneurs organization. At the time we didn't actually qualify for entrepreneurs organization, but we qualified for they have a like entry level or an accelerator program that puts you in a group of, of your peers. And so that are doing the, almost the same sales volume. And then they, and the accelerator meant to be for younger companies that, you know, we're doing between, well, these it's between a quarter of a million and a million dollars a year. So you're in a group of very qualified people, but that are on this kind of like solo journey or lonely journey. And even what I loved about this group, still love about this group is that even though we all have different businesses, then they're completely different businesses, but the journey and the kind of the being alone is very similar in all of the businesses. And it's even when you have a team being the person like at the top, there's those air quotes. Yeah. And we are, we're all peers, but like in your own company, you're a little bit different and you can't speak a hundred percent truth and you need to talk to, because it just wouldn't be helpful. So it was like, well, you're the visionary, your role, your role is very different from the rest of the roles within your, within your own company. Every you hire people to work in their zone of genius and you need to be Mm -hmm. in your zone of genius and your zone of genius in this group that you're taught, the entrepreneurs group you're talking about is Mm -hmm. the same as their zone of genius, which is being the visionary of their business. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think those, that was crucial at the beginning. And it, I just happened to really like the entrepreneurs organization because there's so many people that I could relate to and look to and a very, a safe space, um, if you will. And there's a lot of these, and we joined a several in Atlanta, we joined a community called Atlanta tech village. I'm actually in a group in Boulder that's called galvanize. And it has the whole like mentorship and a lot of them are business owners. And so it all, I think it's just finding your tribe, finding your group. Mm -hmm. And it's very important to also find your peers that are at the same, a similar level as you. And I think, and it's just so you can relate. I think my biggest like relatable item, which is funny when I was actually at Atlanta tech village back in near 2015, when LD studios was still very new. And I was still trying to find a group of people, someone that had their office next to mine now today actually has one of the most successful um, companies 
out there, but we, we at one time were peers. We're no longer peers, but we <laughs> were at one time. It's actually the owner of Calendly. Wow. And so, and we use, I use Calendly. I know. And I'm just like, and the funny thing is I saw, I was struggling. He was struggling because we all struggle. It's just, it, people might just not see it. It's that overnight success that happens, the overnight success that takes 10 years. Yeah. And no one ever sees the behind the scenes, the struggle, because we always talk about the good and the, the fancy, but people love the like success years. stories, but you don't have success without the struggle um, behind it. And I think that for many super successful people, they are visionaries. Like you're a visionary, I'm a visionary. And so you, mm -hmm. you continue to focus on the vision and you sort Absolutely. of allow the, the fears and the, the mistakes to fade Absolutely. into the background. Mm -hmm. And so you can continue, like you're working towards the goal, the mission. Mm -hmm. And so I love talking about what those struggles were. Um, right. in the past, because everybody's going to experience them Yes, when they're growing. We all do, whether we, we need to shine the light not, on that. We all do. <laughs> and it's also important as we grow as entrepreneurs, as our business, as our businesses grow, because, Hey, if you're a coach, you're an entrepreneur. If you are a leader, even in corporate, you having an entrepreneurial spirit in there is going to be mm -hmm. what helps you grow and expand mm -hmm. like that ownership. Absolutely. And so when we reflect on the challenges and how we had those challenges in the past, we're better prepared for similar ch challenges when they arise. How true would you say it's been for you that the imposter thoughts that came up for you at the very beginning come up to you now but just a little fancier, just a little well, little more well-dressed. Yes. Yeah. The, the imposter syndrome. And now I have the experience to know how to deal with them versus before yes. they were more real if, if, and they're still real because they're your feelings. Right. But now I know, or I always like to say, now I think about it as I used to feel like I've ran into brick walls constantly, but mm -hmm. it took me a while to understand that those were actually staircases and that's how I'm getting bit better. So, but so it's all in the mindset. And I think not trying to block them out is good because I think before it's like, oh, pretend it doesn't exist and it'll go away it doesn't go away. It that never so, works. It, it doesn't work. <laughs> so looking at it and being like, Hey, you, you can do this. Like, let's, if let's figure it out or let's address this, or if it's like, Oh, you know what? I was not a great leader or I was in a bad mood, like something. It's just like, what are you doing? And it always goes back to what are you doing with your life? Are you sure you can do this? And even now it, it you know, it still happens, even though you can look at the past and you're like, look at what I've done on paper, but the feeling, the imposter syndrome, I still think it's, or it's uh, maybe a daily occurrence is a lot, but there, there's always a, something, a little voice, every decision you make, it's, is this going to lead to something good or something bad? Is this going to mess something up? And so I think dealing with it head on, I think, and taking the time to really think, and a lot of people do like meditation and I've started to do that. It took me a long time to get into it. Cause I was, I just, was stubborn, but it actually, I think it really helps and it can address the, 
any underlying issues and solve them quickly. I'd rather solve something fast than have it lingering for months. Like I probably used to do, mm -hmm. which is never pleasant. It's never fun, but I'd rather. No, it's like we're torturing ourselves when we <laughs> just allow it to linger. It's torture. Yes. Lauren. Oh goodness. Thank you so much for joining me today. It has been an absolute pleasure. Where can people learn more about you? Yes. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for having me. And I love having honest conversations and it, it's one of my favorite things to do. So I'm on all the social media, just joined TikTok. And so I'm so proud Woo. of myself. I, it's a Lauren Hughes investor, realtor and investor on any of the social media platforms. And I'll include the links in the show notes. Perfect. Lauren, thank you again. Thank you so much for having me. We'll be talking more with Lauren Hughes next month. Next week, though, we're going to be talking with Elaine Terso, known as Elaine the Brain. She's been the creative, self-made, problem-solving entrepreneur since 2001. As a business consultant and launch strategist for the InSource IT marketing agency, Elaine enjoys supporting other entrepreneurs with their businesses, getting shit done for them so they can focus on their own zone of genius. And we are going to be talking about the Ruby slippers effect and the mindset shift that makes sales easier. So stay tuned, folks. You don't want to miss it. Hey, thanks for listening. I truly hope you got something out of this episode that you can immediately implement in your life or business. If so, one of the easiest ways you can help me is to please rate, review, and follow this podcast. When you do, you help me reach other heart-centered and socially conscious entrepreneurs just like you. By the way, if you are a driven entrepreneur at the top of your game, yet find your consistent successes aren't feeling like you thought they would, I also have a special invitation to share with you especially if you are ready to go deep and stop the self-doubt, self-sabotage, overwork, overwhelm, exhaustion cycle that is holding you back from experiencing success that truly feels like success. I invite you to book a call with me. We'll have an intimate conversation about you and your business, and we'll talk about what's holding you back from regulating your nervous system priming yourself for flow, and elevating your emotional intelligence so that your journey of success feels fulfilling and deeply satisfying. If you still need more help at the end of our call, and it makes sense to both of us, we'll talk about what it would look like to work together. If this sounds good to you, click the Book Trina link in the show notes. Thanks again for listening, and stay tuned for next week. And remember, be awesome.